Welcome to the Smart City Podcast, the technology program that looks at how buildings, communities, and cities are becoming smarter, more efficient, and more connected. We look at everything from the big ideas to drilling down to individual projects and innovative ideas that impact your day-to-day life. The Smart City Podcast is brought to you by Locomobi World, moving the world through sustainable, frictionless, and secure solutions. This is episode number 63, recorded on November 28, 2023. Sean Gaffari is the Dean of Engineering at Humber College in Toronto, and they have recently been blessed with a brand new facility that's loaded with tech. What are they going to do there? Plenty, as it turns out. But first, it's tech news from Locomobi CEO Grant Furlane. All right, Grant, what do you got for news this time? Well, um, we always talk about smart city and where we're going to go around the world, and I thought maybe we'd go a little further. Um, and, and and I don't know if you if you know this or not, but um, there has now been a bilateral agreement, a NASA agreement with the Italian Space Agency and Thales, Thales Alenia Space, to build the first space station, lunar space, lunar base, on the moon. Okay. So this will be the first lunar base where you'll live there on the moon. Um, and they signed the deal, I don't know, they announced it a few weeks ago. And and my point being is, you know, we're talking, and it's kind of like, like I, I view it as kind of like Space Odyssey, if you remember oh, that. Oh, I do. Kind of like the example of that. And that's what they're doing. But they've agreed, and they're quite certain that they'll, have, they'll do this. And they haven't set an exact timeline yet, but they're going to, the project now starts. And when you start a project now, it means you can do it. You've done all your testing. So this is a this is a private company. No, it's a, well the one is yeah. So it's 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 it's, it's the Thales Alenia Space, which is a company, um, and contracted with um, um, NASA Artemis program. The Artemis program was established. Well, you know what it is. Yeah, state long term human investments on the moon. It's a public private partnership. It's a great idea. Uh, I think it's great. Um, and so the long-term goal is to, is to you know, start getting ready to live on the moon. Now, people say we're crazy, you know, that's where we got our problems on the earth. But part problem, part problem of solving our problems on earth is finding out where else to live. <laughs> uh, maybe we're going to be going to the moon because we can't live on the earth. Who knows? Remember we said that? Who knows? You know? Point is... It could happen. And, and, and on the tail end of that, I wrote, I, I read today that um, another grouper just developed and announced the plan of the first um, lunar hotel. Ah, see, like Clavius Base in 2001. Yes. I, I, I was going to say that. You beat me. So it's a circle, just like it should be. And it has mm-hmm. rooms and hallways. And, um, and like, I, you know, when I see that stuff, you just said it again. Everything that we see on TV when we were younger, um, it's happening. Yeah, the pro- the problem is it was it's delayed because if you you and I grew up at the same time yeah. and we were seeing stuff in the '60s with the Apollo program yeah. and then Skylab and then everything, you know, we thought that we've got this far in such a short period of time to 1969 and 1970. It's only going to be a matter of a few years before. We're living on the moon. We're living on Mars. We're yeah. sending giant spacecraft to investigate the moons of Jupiter. And, and you know, that was supposed to be in 2001. Um, and we'd have flying cars and 
uh, Pan Am would be flying us up to hotels in orbit, yeah. and then we would be going to Clavia <laughs> Space and all that stuff, you know. And then we have Commander Koenig would be on Moon Base Alpha by 1999, and you know, yeah, it's it always takes longer. It's been Alan. a bit of a disappointment. You have to dream to yeah. get there, right? Um, yeah, but today I believe it'll happen. Where 40 years ago I would laugh along with everybody else. That's true. So I I don't know when, but so it was interesting. I mean. Uh, it's just kind of like everything's so surreal that you start thinking, okay, that can happen. Um, the, the the other one is more of an interesting um, true social impact of, of what happens when you, you do something in a smart city. So in Paris, you remember um, they banned electric scooters. Um, yes. And it was quite a big deal because if they're, I guess they were causing accidents and, and all kinds of problems. And, you know, he thought, well, you know, how can you do that? How can you ban scooters? I mean, that's a big part of the future of uh, shared mobility. And so, so the issue, you know, the answer to this, this article today isn't that they brought them back. However, what happened was the response was so big of needing electric scooters that people started not going back to their cars like we thought they would. Okay. They still need on-demand um, on-demand transportation for mobility. So what came out was that what 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 really big trend that came out was dockless bikes, regular bikes. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, in fact, uh, there was roughly uh, September 2022. There was roughly 750,000 dockless bike trips became nearly. 2 million by 23. Okay. Hmm. So, you know, it's like a mega jump from when they had scooters. So what happened is scooters went away. People said, I still want mobility. I like mobility. I'm not going back to the car. And they really didn't. I think that's kind of an amazing story. So that the, um, so the, sco- the scooters were, the scooters were a gateway drug to bicycles. Yes. Interesting. So, thousand scooters in the city to find out that people will ride bikes. How do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't really care. I think you need both. But my point is, um, if they would have had to go back to cars, they would have had the same problem with congestion. But it, what I'm saying is people realize the need, not the industry told them what to do. And I, um, I kind of like that. That is an interesting, unexpected consequence of introducing electric mobility scooters. Well, we talk about it all the time, and and we know that Toronto uh, bans skateboards. We know that we know there's all kinds of shit going on, and maybe yeah. that's going to be happen. Two steps forward, one step backwards to get the same reality. Yeah, same result. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's what I meant. Thank you. Um, and, and I guess the big news, big news, like this is big news. Um, the biggest nuclear fusion reactor in the world just got turned on in Japan. I saw that. Big, another another Takamak design. It's huge. Yeah. It's the biggest in the world. It has almost limitless power source. So think of that. And the cleanest technology you could ever have, right? Because it's fusion, nuclear yep. fusion. And super safe. It's just, oh, you yeah, just got to yeah. figure out how to get more energy out of it than you put into it. 
Yes, and and because it doesn't produce it the same way, there is no carbon emissions at all, zero, Nothing. no matter what. Nope, um, just straight. And heat. Um, my point being is, I know it's still a big argument, even here in Canada and the U.S. and everywhere else, that we don't want nuclear reactors. But I don't know. I, I'm still the argument that you're going to have to have them. There's just no way you could build a city without them. There's just carbon's not there. If you want, if you're going for, I'm sorry, if you're going for zero, zero um, carbon and um, low carbon emission. So I think one is, it's, no, of course, they're the capital of nuclear reactor problems too, of course. Yes. As we know. Well, that, that's it. But my point is, um, they did it not because they wanted to be advanced. They have no choice. Japan has no choice. Even if they wanted to go off the power grid, they don't have the power and land to do it. They can't do hydro. No. Uh, doing uh, old style fission re- nuclear reactors is not a, not a thing after no, Fukushima. No. So, yeah, I'm talking about new ones. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So, you know, the thing is, it's, it's all about fusion. But we're talking about, and I don't know the size, um, but remember, we're talking these fusion nuclear um, reactors are not huge. They're not like these big buildings. Their no, no, they're, they're much smaller. Yeah, it fits in a high school gym. Yeah, but so think of that. I mean, it's not like we're going to put this big honking reactor on the on, on the edge of the water like we do here or anywhere else. So there's so many things that I like about this, yet I know people don't like it. Not I know there's another reason why people don't like it. You've got we have a whole industry, Alan, of scientists and companies built around energy and climate change that quite frankly, this would just ruin everything. <laughs> it, it really would. It really would. All of a sudden, you know, there was a book I read and I can't remember what it was, but they started mining helium three on the moon. And this basically solved the energy crisis on earth, but it created another crisis where everybody who was working in the energy sector on earth was thrown out of work. It's no good. No, and, and I, I believe that. You know, we, we know that. Um, and so you're going to have one side, you're going to have groups that are privately fighting. It's not because it's not a good idea. It's protecting their jobs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we built an industry. We built not just an industry. We built a whole new way of life on climate change and, and energy. And we sure hell can't have this come along. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so it'll be interesting to see that goes. I, I, my opinion, Alan, it's coming everywhere. I, it is. Opinion. And I think it's coming a little faster than we actually realize. If it works. Yeah. If it works. And I don't think the Japanese would put it in and take the time to do this if it wasn't all tested and ready to go. So be, be, be clear that I think we're going to see this everywhere. And I think it's good for us. The Faculty of Engineering at Humber College in Toronto has an incredible facility that's just begging to be used for all kinds of R&D. Locomobi and Humber have partnered up to push all kinds of technological envelopes. This is the first in a series of podcasts that will look at what Locomobi and Humber will do in the future, starting with the electrical grid. We talk with Sean Gaffari, the Dean of the Faculty. So, Sean, uh, let's begin by giving you a proper introduction. You're the Dean of Engineering at Humber College in Toronto. So, explain what sort of programs that faculty offers these days? Sure. 
first of all, uh, thank you so much for uh, having me. Uh, Humber is one of the uh, largest colleges uh, in uh, Canada uh, with uh, more than 33,000 uh, full-time students. Uh, faculty of, uh, of uh, Applied Technology uh, uh, is one of uh, is uh, is um, one of the six faculties uh, at Humber, uh, and uh, cluster of the engineering is uh, within this faculty. Uh, as uh, the name uh, states itself, uh, we uh, provide uh, education and polytechnic education uh, for uh, different engineering uh, technologies and, and uh, degrees uh, to our students. Uh, so uh, I am the Dean of the Engineering, uh, which uh, I look forward to uh, different um, uh, engineering uh, uh, programs, including uh, mechanical, uh, electrical, electromechanical, uh, computer, uh, electronics, uh, technician and technology, uh, computer technology as well, uh, and uh, three new degrees, uh, which uh, basically are mechatronic, information system technology, built environment, uh, and uh, also we have uh, architecture, uh, arch architectural technology and also civil engineering as well. Now, Alan, you heard that right, 33,000. I know, I didn't realize that there were that many people enrolled at Humber. That's, that's across multiple campuses, right? Uh, we have three campuses, uh, one in the Lakeshore, uh, one in the North, which uh, hosting uh, all the engineering programs, uh, and also one uh, new, uh, basically, uh, IGS, which is an international graduate school, uh, school uh, which is uh, in the downtown Toronto. Okay. So this is the first of a series of podcasts that you're going to do with the Locomobi podcast. That implies, and I don't know anything about this, so I'm going to ask the questions, that implies some sort of relationship with Locomobi and Grant. Uh, who wants to take that question? What is the relationship and what are we going to get out of this? Okay, I'll, I'll start. Um, so the, the way we met, as you probably know, Alan, we have partnerships with a few colleges and universities, um, primarily colleges. Um, and we do them with city projects and beta testing and new technology. Um, when we decided to re not re-engineer, but come out with a new version of Mobi and make it completely made in engineering Canada, um, the place we chose to do that with is Humber. Um, and, and I'm not going to steal the, I'm not going to steal the, uh, uh, the show from, from Sean, other than to say this, Alan. You know what I'm like. I went to this yeah. place, and I've been to, what, Google three or four times, Apple, everything, you name it, I've been there. I have never seen such an incredible structure with so many advanced technologies all in one building um, that, in fact, um, quite frankly, they could design anything. Um, and I don't mean little teeny 3D printers and, and electronics uh, uh, board, board uh, in, uh, <clears throat> manufacturing uh, to, to software engineering. Um, I mean serious, very serious. The point that when I visit them, I didn't want to leave. So, um, and so we have gone ahead and made an agreement. And our first project will be Mobi, which of course, it's a pretty good one to start with. But uh, the intention, um, 
in my intention, um, Alan, even though it wasn't just Okomoe, maybe some of my other companies as well, is that we're going to use them as a resource to, to, to educate um, the people they have there, but draw on all the students and all the knowledge of the professors, the school, the students, and anyone involved in the organization to better them and obviously selfishly um, better the companies. Okay. Sean, you want to take it from there? Sure, I want to add uh, to that one. So uh, recently, uh, I had the privilege uh, to meet uh, Grant and his team. Uh, actually, uh, it's a very uh, interesting uh, synergy between the uh, Humber and vision of Grant. Uh, Grant has a team that uh, they uh, provide uh, very uh, up-to-date technologies and inventions to the, uh, to the market. And uh, Humber is a place uh, that uh, we have uh, the talent of the students, uh, expertise of the uh, faculty, uh, and uh, very unique uh, technologies uh, to uh, add all these together uh, to uh, make the inventions and the visions uh, to to happen. Uh, so Locomobile has a has a, a very great idea. I uh, I'm pretty sure Grant is going to talk about that uh, in detail. Uh, but uh, a number of my faculty and students uh, showed interest to uh, get um, involved in this project. Uh, as uh, he mentioned, um, our college uh, is. Uh, providing very hands-on uh, programs. Uh, so students like to design, like to make, um, like to test, uh, you know, uh, fail, uh, failure is fine uh, in our uh, college because uh, without failure, you cannot have a real product. And uh, we see that uh, Grant and his team uh, and Locomobile as a, a very solid uh, partner and that not only provide an education, uh, hands-on uh, basic partnership for our students, uh, but also let our students uh, try the uh, uh, try the new areas that they don't uh, have the chance to uh, get involved. Uh, and also for our faculty is a, a fantastic way for the uh, professional development. So it's it's a new opportunity for R and D. It's a new opportunity for let's say tech development, and it's also a new opportunity for. Uh, the faculty to, you know, get their hands dirty a little bit. Well, and I think you got to remember something. Uh, he's he's, he's kind of understating what what goes on there. They had a large donation, and I, I'll let him explain that. But they have built this state-of-the-art, Alan, I mean state-of-the-art technology labs that are second to none. And the major providers of tech in the world have donated rooms with incredible technology. And I don't, again, selfishly, that's what it's all about. And um, although today we're going to talk about, especially they do uh, in, in a few minutes, that's, that's you know, what, it, what drew me to, to Humber. Okay. So Locomobi's got their fingers in many pies. What are you starting with? Oh, we're starting with the robot, but we're not talking about the robot tonight. Okay. What are what we're talking about is something really very important, and I'm going to put it into um, to Sean's hands. But essentially, um, they one of their specialties that they've uh, started to promote is their their introduction into the um, and Sean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Is the smart grid, um, and and probably um, you know you have to be careful. Their smart grid, 
there's microgrid, there's power grid. And uh, I understand them all, Sean, but I'm going to leave it with you because Alan, the micro, the, the, the power grid and the, um, uh, the uh, smart grid are very different. And, and I'll leave with Sean, but it's our future. So Alan, it's our future. We're talking about shared electrical power here. Yes. Smart electrical power. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Sean. So uh, thank you, Grant. Uh, so basically, uh, as Grant uh, mentioned, there are lots of venues that uh, we are uh, interested and excited to work with uh, with Grant and his team. Uh, and uh, uh, autonomous robotics is uh, one of them. Uh, that uh, it's uh, could be uh, the topic of a, a completely another podcast. Uh, let yes. me dive in a little bit in the uh, on the uh, smart grid. Uh, uh, Fail, uh, so uh, you know that uh, cities are going toward uh, the idea of the smart cities, and uh, everything is going to be smart. But what is reality of that is that how we are going to deal with the energy, how we are going to uh, do analysis of the data, how uh, different uh, equipment are connected with each other through the IoT systems. Uh, and uh, this uh, huge infrastructure and uh, data analytics uh, and autonomous of the of the city and uh, management uh, of the uh, generation and distribution and the storage of the energy is making a smart city. This this is this is an infrastructure undertaking that I don't think that we can underestimate in its scope and complexity. Oh no no um no smart grid no grid <laughs> yeah exactly and and we're we're dealing with in most areas an infrastructure that is quite old uh, and we're dealing with an infrastructure that uh, uh, doesn't necessarily I mean it's good at delivering power but it's not necessarily good at taking up power from nuclear power stations, from hydro, from coal, from, from, from natural gas or whatever. So, so help me a little bit along with, with defining what the, the smart grid is. Sure. Uh, so uh, as, as you mentioned, Alan, uh, the, uh, the current infrastructure which exists for the delivering of the energy and uh, specifically electrical energy uh, is not uh, strong enough. It's not uh, doesn't have enough capacity uh, for the electrification of the everything which is going to be electrified, from the transportation to the cars to the uh, everything that we heating, uh, the, uh, cooling systems. Uh, so the question is that. Uh, we cannot we cannot change this uh, infrastructure. So what we have to do, we have different uh, type of the uh, renewable energy generation, but they are small. Uh, they are more localized. Uh, so microgrid is the one of the puzzles of this solution. What microgrid does is that it's a, a smart controller that can combine the wind energy, solar energy. A CPH um, uh, and the consumption uh, within the smaller communities. You can talk about the uh, like inverters, small block inverters, exactly, uh, or uh, a condo building, for example, in downtown Toronto, or uh, a new developed, uh, uh, basically uh, residential out of Toronto. 
which uh, which managing the consumption, uh, storage, and also generation is complex. Uh, it it should be efficient and uh, provide resiliency to, to those communities. So, what are you managing? So you have the I know what the microgrid is. That's all the controllers and the interface that goes both ways. But it really doesn't help you if you. So you're. Are you talking about power grid management only, or are you involved at Humber on the microgrid as well? Because the microgrid is, you'll say, the link. The power grid is, I mean, the smart grid is, I think, how do we manage it and when? And what power should we use to when? And how can we better manage it? You may have, in the power grid, you may have microgrid. You may have coming in electricity. But in the vault, you're trying to back up certain things. And so the, the most important part of this is, is the smart grid. But at Humber, what are the things you're doing there um, to address it? Is it one ca- capsule or is it many things? Okay, let, let, me, let me just, as, as the dummy here, let, let me just ask. So we have, in Ontario, we have... Well said, by the way, um, uh, Alan. I can quote you on that. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. Um, yeah, 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 I got that. There, uh, so in Ontario, we have OPG, the Ontario Power Generation, Ontario mm-hmm. Hydro, and all the all the providers in all the different parts of the province. And there's uh, many, many, many of them. They take and either generate on their own or distribute power from larger pr- uh, producers like uh, you know uh, Darlington like uh, uh, Pickering, like, uh, you know, whatever else, right? So that's the yeah. macro gig, uh, macro get, uh, grid. Then we have the independent energy providers uh, like Ontario Hydro, for example, where I live, and, and all the other smaller ones. They take from the major, major grid, plus they also may supplement with their own, um, you know, gas power, uh, gas powered power plants and so on. So, okay, now we've got to, from macro to medium, and now you're talking micro. Now, when one of the houses I lived in was up north, and we did not have town water. What we did have is, for our little subdivision in the middle of nowhere, a uh, a water supply system that was... Managed on its own. Managed on its own, just for our... I don't know, 75 houses, whatever it was. Yeah. Is, is this what the microgrid is? Yeah, it's a good, good description. Absolutely. So uh, that's the best uh, description. So uh, basically, uh, a microgrid is a, a smaller version of the hydro that you mentioned. Uh, plus, uh, not only dealing with the different resources of the generation, because each of these resources, such as wind, solar, uh, CPH, they, they have different uh, uh, regime of the production. So a system should be uh, uh, smart enough to manage all of them, uh, store it at the time that you don't need it, we give it back at the time that you most needed it. Uh, when it is going to be cheap, uh, the electricity in maybe Texas, buy from it, and uh, when it is uh, more expensive in Ontario, sell it back to the grid. So the whole system is a, is a complex system that is going to manage generation, uh, storage, and distribution 
and the connection and disconnecting from the grid. Okay, now, storage. Electrical storage. Is that that's some sort of capacitor or it's some sort of battery? It is a sort of battery. Okay. So, w- the batteries that everybody... Okay. What kind of battery is going to be able to store that that many electrons? Uh, very good question. Uh, uh, so I, I'm not going to go to the details. First of all, it's not not my background. But the good thing about the batteries is the mo- uh, modular system that they have it, and uh, and uh, they're all equipped with the inverter. Uh, that they can uh, uh, basically have the... Uh, the inverter has cells. Exactly. Okay? So you're breaking off cells, Alan. Mm. So it knows, the cells can store a lot, by the way. Right. It's much, much uh, larger than the small batteries. Uh, and the most uh, and very important that you you can you can uh, in, increase the amount of the storage. So if you are now uh, have a community that needs a backup of the I don't know seven hundred kilowatts uh, for the for example resiliency of the three hours, simply you can add another even type of the battery with the uh, correct connection with the previous one to increase the capacity of that. So it's it's like a Tesla Powerwall, and you just add... Is it Tesla Powerwall? Well, it is a Tesla Powerwall. one of the parts. <laughs> <laughs> and every time, every time you need more, you simply add another unit on top of it. And that's the challenge. Right. That's the challenge. And, yeah. and, and I guess I would ask, okay, I mean, this is, a, I guess, a loaded question. When's the payback? Like, you know, when you're doing these things, when do you know you have payback? Like, I understand kilowatts. I understand how you store. When does it become feasible that, okay, we can do this? And then it maybe, is that part of your studies? I don't know. Very good uh, note, I call it, because I, I'm pretty sure you know about this. Uh, so <laughs> here, Humber Place. So, so the microgrid that we have is a microgrid it, uh, not only for training the students that I'm going to talk about it later, but also it can simulate the consumption and generation of a, a small uh, community or large community in a simulation mode. So you can simulate a condo building that when it is going to use maximum, when, when it is going to be produced the maximum amount, how uh, the uh, regime of the uh, use uh, is going to be and how you're going to have the maximum efficiency of that. This is going to happen in the uh, our facility, in the smart lab, uh, because we have variable loads, we have variable inverters, we have simulators of the different generation methods that we can simulate it. So if a um, uh, if a developer coming to us or a company coming to us or a condo builder uh, coming to us and say that this is my uh, uh, curve of the uh, of the production and this is my curve of the uh, usage, can you simulate what are the best parameters that I need to have in my microgrid to have the maximum efficiency and how much I'm going to save? I cannot say that uh, uh, a dollar amount it depends on the uh, case studies that we are doing. And, and what you have to remember, Alan, you know that a lot of buildings are built, I don't care, say they ran 600 volts into the building. They can't run more. It's game over. So now, how do we? How do you expand in that building? You have to do it with these power grids. 
Okay, couple of questions here, and and this this may be a little bit too far into the weeds, but the technology for these cells are we uh, is it something like uh, you know solid state? Is it lithium? Is it sodium? Um, I've read about sand batteries where you can store heat in big silos of sand. And again, that's technology, not the, that's not the um, smart grid. That's the technology okay. smart grid hooks up with. No, but that's a good question. I'll tell okay. you why. And, and, um, and we'd I'll, love solid state. We'd I'll, love solid state. I'll <laughs> also throw in this modular reactors, which a yes. lot of people are talking about. But I'm back. Well, again, if you talk to people within the power generation industry, you know, they're very excited about modular reactors, but no one's built one yet. And and, and none of them are. are, are one under, no, there's one under construction right now. Where? I can't remember. I'll find it for okay. you. Okay. All right. Okay. So they're building them because they have to. Yes. So uh, SMRs uh, or uh, small uh, uh, nuclear reactors, uh, this is actually a very very hot topic these days uh, especially in ontario <laughs> uh, uh, confidential if your uh, humber is looking to uh, to it uh, seriously uh, to get involved in that because we think that uh, yes, sure, Sean? <laughs> because we think that the future of the uh, energy is definitely tied with the snrs uh, as well too uh, now the the beauty of the microgrid is that independent of the different generators and a storage. So you can have new technology for a storage. You can uh, connect it to the smart grid. You can have new generation. You can add it to the smart grid. You can have wind turbine. You can have solar. You name it. That's smart. smart. So the controller is very smart to manage this, and it is absolutely necessary uh, for the stability of the grid. Okay, it's it's coming clear to me. So you have multiple sources of generation. You need something that is going to regulate uh, and manage all this electrical power coming in from all these different generation methods. I, I have a I have a question sure. for you, Sean. So we're managing all this stuff, which brings in light a uh, another important part of this is called communication. So the communication grid is very important in this one because if you're going to rely on 5G, 6G, local line networks, it's going to be really important that that lies somewhere in this system. Absolutely correct, uh, Grant. So uh, one of the interesting concepts of the, uh, the microgrid, and especially the one that we have at Humber, is that it is fully equipped with the uh, communication technology Everything that we have there is uh, connected uh, to the the, uh, network that we have. And all the meters, all the switches, all the PLCs, everything that we have, they are going to communicate with each other. And uh, a third party can see that. And I'm pretty sure that you're going to ask the next question is that, who is going to support the security (laughs) of this? Correct. Yeah, so is that. I know, I know. And this is very, very important. So uh, the security of the system is as important as the controlling of the system. So one of the major aspects of this system is that the high level of the security of the data communication and analysis which is uh, being with this system. Okay, so there. <laughs> this is so complex and complicated. Um, and Alan, 
You're going to come for a tour because you just don't realize what they have. Well, there. no, I, I I would love to. I mean, I've been to the Humber campus many times, but certainly not in the engineering. Not project. to this building. No, I uh, have not. Uh, so when does when does this? I'm going to call. When does this R and D partnership get underway? And when are you expecting? Who us? Yeah, you already started. And when do you expect? So so. So wait wait. Okay, so on. let me tell you. Grant, hang on. Go ahead. Hang on. Yeah. So. When, as far as I know, local Moby doesn't have anything to do with power generation. So, oh, but my other, I have a power grid company. Oh, okay. Alan, you know me by now. Well, um, I have an AI company, which you yes. had on a podcast last week. Yeah. Um, I view them all as one. Like, there's no doubt in local Moby's world, it'll have to be on separate different power grids. Underground garages don't have wi- don't have Wi-Fi, don't have the proper and when we add more things, there's no power. Um, we're doing solar out outside, and it's terrible. <laughs> so again, bringing in new energy sources. I see so many values here, but we already started, but I think it's important to understand how this works. So they have their engineering students dedicated, certain classes, and, and as I said, professors, as part of our team. And they work with my team. And, and, and when I met with them, the first thing they said to me at first was, they started asking me questions, well, we'll do this like you have. I go, no, no, no. Don't do anything like I have. You come back and tell me what, I, what you want. Open up your minds and come back and say, you should do this. You guys are learning. You have the best resource pool as far as technology access at your college. You go upstairs because there's a stairs that go up there. On that floor, you come back and tell me, because I'm in. So that's what's happening now. We oh, Okay, so what happens first? You design a white paper. And they would do this with anyone, Sean. And um, the white paper basically describes the goals of the, of, the, of the project, where you want to see it based on different levels of uh, stages, and what the end goal is. But there's never an end goal in technology. That's the coolest thing about tech. It never stops. And so we may hit a stage, but, you know, I will bet you, Alan, before we get to the end of this project, it won't look like how we started. That's the way technology is. Now, um, so although we're talking about smart grid today because it's a series of them, um, we're not directly involved in what they're doing maybe with other companies, but um, I see access to this technology right away. Um, I see... This is the biggest challenge for anyone in technology world, the smart grid. So they're tackling something that will be a, a major problem in rural, urban, um, and localized uh, companies. So, yeah, I, I uh, and, you know, and I think what, what we haven't talked about really, though, is about his students. Um, I was fortunate enough to talk to his first-year students. Uh, a group of them, as well as, by the way, a group of high schoolers. And I gave them different words of advice, Alan. The engineers, I said, start thinking out of the box and thinking of what you want to do with the technology. The high schoolers, I said, go have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even talk. I'm not talking to you. Here's a robot. You love it. Go have fun. (laughs) Well said. Well said, Grant. Okay. So so now we've got uh, part one figured out with our series. Yeah. 
what do you suppose we're going to talk about when it comes to part two in this relationship between Locomobi and Humber? But essentially what we're going to do, Alan, we're going to dwell through the technologies they do there. Okay. Um, and I think it's very important that, uh, again, um, this is fairly new, this, this building. And when I say building, it's, it's incredible. Okay. It's a toy store for guys <laughs> like me. Okay. Um, and I think that what they haven't done, it's that famous saying, the good news is we have an incredible building. The bad news is no one knows about us. <laughs> so, so my goal is to help them as well in that area, Alan, and, and all of us, is to, to get Canadians to level they compete they win in the world technology-wise and to harness the education centers to bring out people who we need to hire. Everyone needs to hire. And because they're so specialized, um, uh, my standpoint is, again, from a selfish standpoint, I wouldn't doubt if I didn't hire three guys at the end of this. You know, I wouldn't doubt if we didn't start another company along the way. Um, the point being is that's what you do with this type of thing. And um, I'm pretty proud to be able to say that uh, we've got Canadians working with Canadians to prove how good we are. And, of course, we just finished um, – uh, we just finished the uh, Project Arrow car, and hence we're run, jumping right into Moby. I can't wait to see what this results in. So this is only the start. We've we've talked about the potential of harnessing technologies for the smart grid. We'll end up at robots at some point. Yes, we will. Uh, so, Sean, Sean, thanks for this. We will be talking again in the very near future about more things and I would imagine that this is this is obviously a multi-year thing. So we'll start today. Let's see where we end up in two, three, four years. Absolutely. Our projects are open-ended projects and one project bringing the next. It's important to have uh, strong and dedicated uh, partners uh, such as Grant and his team. Uh, and we are looking and very excited for the future. Thanks for introducing us to this whole thing. And uh, we will talk soon. And there we go with episode number 63. Thanks to Sean Gaffari at the Faculty of Engineering at Humber College in Toronto. And as I said, he will be back with updates on the partnership with Locomobi. If you have any questions or comments, send them to feedback at thesmartcity.blog. And check out the website, thesmartcity.blog. The Smart City Podcast, brought to you by Locomobi World. Moving the world through sustainable, frictionless solutions. Executive producer is Grant Furlane. Technical production by Rob Johnston. Executive assistant, Andrea Crawford. I'm Alan Cross, and we'll see you next time.